I'm really excited to be kicking off a new message series today, and actually it's a continuation of a message series that we started a year ago when we began studying the book of Romans, and we've gotten all the way through Romans chapter 11, and uh, we've taken a few detours over the last year or so, and today we're going to be launching into Romans chapter 12, and over the next uh, eight or ten weeks we're going to be finishing out the book of Romans as we study Romans 12 through Romans 16. And we're calling this message series Transformers, And, and here's our mantra, we've been transformed by love, we're transforming the world with love. We are transformers. And at the end of today's message, I'm going to ask you to just say that with me. Uh, And and what's significant about that is is this. Romans 1 through 11 is all about what God has done for us. And then in Romans chapter 12, we turn a corner and we start asking, now what do we do? What is our responsibility with what God has done for us? And uh, how do we as transformed people begin to transform the world with love. And so we're going to be talking about that for the next couple of months. And I think you're going to be very motivated to uh, change your life and and to make some big changes as you discover how God is transforming you. So uh, today I just want to start with this. I want to I want to tell you a little bit of a story. Uh, the last several weeks, I've talked a lot about my relationship with my wife. And, and those of you that are here regularly, you know a lot of our history. And uh, I, I talked recently about how uh, I met Chris and I had this attraction to her. And then I broke up with her and all this kind of stuff. Uh, there's a little piece of this I haven't told you. Um, when, when I decided for the first time that I, I wasn't going to stay in a relationship with the girl who would eventually become my wife, her mother came to me. And uh, some of you know Chris's mom. She's a wonderful lady. I have the deepest respect for her. But in those days, I was kind of scared of her. And uh, actually, to tell you the truth, I'm still a little scared of her. Um, But she's always been a person who has a very strong relationship with God. And, and I've always known that, that Judy is a woman who prays a lot, and when she prays, she can sense God speaking to her. And, and, and it's a very powerful thing, but it's also kind of a scary thing. And when I broke up with Chris, she came to me one day and she said, Russ, I just have something to tell you. God has told me you're going to marry my daughter, and as long as you are not married to my daughter, you are out of God's will. And in my heart, not with my out loud voice, but in my heart, I said, get away from me, you crazy prophet lady. I don't want anything to do with you or your daughter. And then seven years later, I figured out, uh, yeah, it was God's will for me to marry her daughter. And with fear and trembling, I entered into that, that relationship with Chris that now we're, we're coming up on 21 years of marriage. But for seven years, for seven years, I was struggling with the question of what is God's will? What is God's will for my life? Who should I marry? And I'm, I was dating girls, and I was trying to figure it out. And I, I mean, it was, I, seven years of frustration until I finally... Have you been in that place where you're trying to find God's will? And, and you really want to use your life to please God, but you can't figure it out. Anybody there? How many of you would like to be able to know what God's will 100% all of the time? Okay? It'd be a great thing, wouldn't it, if we, if we never had any questions? Well, 
Listen, I'm going to give you a gift today. I'm going to give you a big gift wrapped up in a bow. I'm going to teach you today how you can know what God's will is for your life. It's a powerful thing. You don't have to live in the dark. I spent seven years just feeling like I'm poking around in the dark and dating random people, trying to figure it out, and it was just so frightening. And what if I make a mistake? In in fact, the day I married Chris, I was still praying, God, don't let me make a mistake. But it doesn't have to be that way. There is a couple of keys that I'm going to unpack for you today that will lead you to such spiritual maturity that you can know what God's will is without poking around in the dark. Okay? Sound like a good plan today? All right. Grab your Bibles. Grab your note cards. We're going to start in Romans chapter 12. Actually, uh, the first couple of verses from Romans chapter 12 are printed out on your note cards today if you want to follow along that way. Uh, But feel free to open your Bibles or open your device if you want to. And uh, we're going to unpack this stuff this morning. Here we go. You ready? Ready? All right. Thank you. You know, I like it when you talk back to me. Except for Jess. She messes with me. You know I like it. All right. Here we go. Romans chapter 12. Here's what we read. And this is up on the screen as well. Here's what Paul says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And I'm just going to stop right there, okay? So stop reading. Don't keep reading. When you're reading the Bible, and some of you who have done Bible study, you know this principle. When you read the Bible and you see the word therefore, do you know the question you should ask? What is it therefore? Okay? So we're going to stop right here. Because Paul starts Romans chapter 12 with the word therefore. And what he's saying with that word is I want you to go back and review everything I just said to you in 11 chapters of the book of Romans. Okay? And he's saying, because of what I've taught you in these first 11 chapters, now there's something I'm going to ask you to do. He says, therefore, in view of God's mercy, you see the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans was all about God's mercy. And, and part of what we've studied over the last year, uh, I called the verdict. There were big chunks of Romans chapters 1 through 11 that dealt with our position in Christ, how God views us because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And you may remember some of these if you were with us during the, the, the previous teaching series. We found that uh, when we come to Christ, God gives us the verdict of justified, which means very simply, it's just as if I'd never sinned. Do you ever struggle with guilt? Do you ever feel like you're not good enough? When God looks at you because of Jesus and his sacrifice, he sees that you are are so clean, so pure, it's just as if you'd never sinned. That's what the word justified means. He also says that we're righteous. It's not something that we earn or that we achieve. He just says, because of Jesus, the righteousness of Jesus is just given to you as a gift. Isn't that good news? How many of you like the idea that I don't have to be good enough to come to God? He he just gives me righteousness as a gift. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're righteous. Okay, (laughs) righteous dude, you betcha. Uh, It's harder to say, I'm righteous, because I think a lot of times we view ourselves as being what? Sinners. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm righteous. Yeah, that's harder to say, isn't it? But it's true. God says, you're saved. When you come to Jesus, you're saved from the wrath of God. You're no longer under his penalty. He gives you life instead of death. And the last verdict that we talked about was that we become slaves to righteousness. Previously, we were slaves to sin, but now we become slaves to righteousness. And this is what Paul is referring to when he says, therefore, in light of God's mercies, he's, he's talking about all this kind of stuff. You have been transformed from sin to righteousness, from wrath to grace. And now in light of all of that, Paul's going to give us some really important information. So let's keep reading. Back to to verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your true and proper worship. Now we're going to see something here very, very important. In light of God's mercy, in view of all of those things that I just talked about, God wants us to partner with him in the work of transformation. God wants us to partner with him in the work of transformation. Last week at the end of our Jesus Talk sex series, we talked about transformation. And I took you once again to Romans chapter 8 where it says that God is transforming us through the power of the Holy Spirit. I talked about the fact that when the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you, he changes you from the inside out. Very important for us to understand that principle of transformation. But now in Romans 12, God is going to say, I want you to become a partner with me in the work of transformation. And the first thing we see from verse 1 of Romans 12 is this. I partner with God when I use my body for worship. I partner with God when I use my body for worship. Let me ask you this. How did you use your body before you experienced God's mercy? Anybody want to share? Probably not. It's dead silent. I think most of us would say before we really came to Jesus, we used our bodies for sin, right? We did things with these bodies that displeased God, that brought destruction to us, that brought consequences that were debilitating. We used our bodies for sin. And, and, and what Paul is saying to us here is now that you've experienced God's mercy, use your body for worship instead. How do we do that? Well, he says very clearly that I should give my body to him as a living sacrifice. I give my body to God as a living sacrifice. In other words, instead of indulging all of my desires that this body has, instead, I choose to sacrifice those desires and honor God with my lifestyle and with my behavior. Another thing that we do in, in using these bodies for worship is that I, we live our lives by the law of love. We're going to see that as we continue through the book of Romans. I'm not going to unpack that today, but there is a, a law of love that we live by, and it's part of worshiping God with our bodies. 
And the third thing that I just want to toss out to you today is we use our bodies for worship by engaging in physical worship. Engaging in physical worship. I loved the music that we sang together today. And, and I loved that our team selected songs that encouraged us to engage our bodies in worship. And I was standing in the front row, so I couldn't really see all of you. But if, if this was a typical Sunday morning, I know there were people that were enthusiastically clapping. And I know there were people that were singing really loud. And I know there were people that were lifting their hands in worship. And there were others of us that felt uncomfortable, okay? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some of you were probably really uncomfortable because this is foreign to some of us, right? And to all of us, before we were walking with Christ, we didn't understand the principle of worshiping with our bodies. But if you study the Bible, we find that over and over and over in the scriptures, especially in the Psalms, as lovers of God, as worshipers of God, we're called to do things like raise our hands in surrender, clapping our hands in celebration, kneeling down as an act of of submission to God and lowering ourselves before his majesty. We use our bodies in worship. And it's a very, very powerful thing because this is what our bodies were created for. Did you know your body wasn't created for sin? Your body was created for worship. And so if you're going to partner with God in the work of transformation, the first thing you've got to do is use your body for worship. Now verse two tells us what the second thing we do is when we're partnering with God. Let's take a look at this verse. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Would you just read that out loud along with me? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's number two in your notes. I partner with God when I renew my mind. I partner with God when I renew my mind. Now, what in the world does that mean? How do I renew my mind? This is not normal English, right? And, and if you're new to the Bible, it's okay if you don't understand it. That's what my job is. I'm here to unpack it for you. And, and I want to read this verse in a different translation that just puts it in a very simple way. The New Living Translation says this. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Read this one out loud with me, would you? Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Over the course of our lives, we've all developed patterns of thinking. Have you discovered this about yourself? We all have patterns of thinking And it's kind of like putting a song on your iPhone on repeat, okay? Now, I don't like ever putting songs on repeat. It's one of the rules in our home is we don't listen to a song more than once, okay? How many of you are repeat people, okay? 
How many of you are like me? Only one song at a time? Okay, we're, we're in the minority, okay? But I, I know that all of us have these repeat playlists in our heads going over and over and over and over. One of my playlists from the time I was a, a little kid was that I am not, not athletic. How many of you are jocks? Okay, uh, okay. Is there a lot of athlete, athletes? How many of you are athletes? Okay, you don't like the word jock. Okay. Boy, back in, in my high school days, the jocks were the really cool dudes and they wore it with pride, right? But uh, now you're ashamed of it. Huh? Interesting. Uh, <laughs> but when I, when I was a kid, I, I, you know, I was always the one, I was the last one picked in a schoolyard pick, right? And, and I was, I couldn't run. To this day, when I run, my legs kind of splay out behind me. It's really awkward and, and weird looking. And I'm not going to demonstrate for you. Yeah, it was just like that. Yeah. And, uh, and I was always the guy that got hit in the head with the kickball, you know. And, uh, and I just wasn't an athlete. And so from, from grade school on up, I just, I, I didn't want to participate in sports because I was humiliated. I was ashamed. I got hurt, you know, whatever. And I just, I, I just decided I wasn't an athlete. And so uh, fast forward to my early 40s. I became good friends with a young man who was very, very athletically gifted, and we became good friends. We met in church, and we started hanging out, and one day he said to me, Russ, do you want to become my workout partner? And, and in my mind, I said, uh, Dean, I'm not an athlete. I don't work out. I don't lift weights. I, I would rather go to hell than go to a gym. You know, I, I mean, seriously, I, th- that's not me. But uh, my buddy Dean pressured me and he said, Russ, come and be my workout buddy. And so I started going to the gym with, with him. And, and what I found in my 40s was there were athletic things that I really liked to do and that I could do. One of the things I discovered was that I love playing racquetball. Any racquetball players in, in the house? I, and and I, I would beat my buddy Dean, who's very athletic. I would beat him sometimes, not every time, but every once in a while I would win a racquetball game. And I found that I had a real passion for racquetball. Please don't invite me to play racquetball because I've quit. But, um, <laughs> but all of a sudden, all, all these, all these playlists in my head were going through my, through my head. And, and I became confused because I, I like racquetball. And it doesn't make sense because I'm, I'm not athletic. And then one day this, I, I was wearing my gym clothes one day and I, I was out in public and somebody walked up to me and he said, wow, a, a friend of mine from church, wow, you're a sports guy. And I came home and I came to Chris and I said, hey, Chris, Darren says I'm a sports guy. What do you think about that? You know? <laughs> and something was changing in the way I think, right? Because I've always believed I wasn't an athlete. So in the spiritual realm, guys, we have the same kinds of things going on. We have these playlists going on. God doesn't approve of me. That's a playlist that goes around and around in our head over and over and over, and we've got it on repeat. I'm a bad person. I don't deserve God's grace. I'm not good enough to go to church. I can't tell you how many times people that I meet out, in the, uh, out around town say to me, you know, I'd like to come to your church, but I'm afraid the walls will fall down. It's that playlist that's going around in our heads saying that God doesn't approve of me. I'm not good enough. God doesn't love me. I'm an outsider. And, and Paul tells us here, 
that God will transform us when we change the way we think. God will transform us when we change the way we think. And, and, and this is a really, really important principle for us to learn because listen, some of you are waiting for God to change you by hitting you with a jolt of lightning and all of a sudden your whole life will change. I want you to know something here today. The lightning bolt has already hit and it came in the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the lightning bolt. And he, he wiped out the penalty of sin. He took away the consequences of sin. And, and if you have prayed to receive Jesus into your life, he's wiped you clean. Now you're justified and righteous and saved and, and you've been passed from death to life. All of these things, the lightning bolt has come and now you have a responsibility to partner with God. And part of it comes when we change the way we think and we erase the playlist that says I'm not good enough, that God doesn't love me, that God doesn't approve of me. We erase the playlist and we begin to tell ourselves in our minds that God does love me, that God has forgiven me, that God has filled me with all the power I need, the power that raised Jesus from the dead so that I can live in obedience to him. And Paul uses that word renew. Renew your minds. And I love this word. I don't know if you've ever thought about the word renew. It has two parts. This is really deep. You ready for this? Re and new. Okay? Re and new. And what Paul is telling us is think new thoughts in your mind. Stop the repeat playlist that's going through your, through your head and start thinking new things. And if you haven't figured this out yet, this is a powerful thing. You can control what you think. You don't have to think about all those things that just cycle through. You can control that. You can turn it off and think something new. And then the second part of the word renew, re, is that if you stumble and you go back to those old, old thoughts, just stop the playlist and, and play the new again. That's re. Okay, so renew, renew your mind by playing the new playlist again and again and again. And now I want you to notice what happens when we use our bodies for worship and when we renew our minds, this is it. We are transformed. We are transformed. This body is used for worship. This mind is used to think renewed thoughts, changed thoughts. And we become transformed. It's a partnership with God. Let me take just a moment to talk to you about the word transformed. It's the Greek word in, in the Bible. Uh, the, the Greek word is metamorpho. I don't know why there's two O's there. Metamorpho. And you can probably guess what English word we get from this Greek word, right? Metamorphosis. This is the word for transformation. And in the Bible... Very interesting. It's only used a few times in the Bible. One of the times is here in Romans chapter 12. Two times it's used in the story in the Gospels about when Jesus was transfigured. If you've ever read the, the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll remember this story. It's a very fascinating story. One day Jesus took three of his disciples. He had 12 disciples that he usually hung out with, but there were three that, that for some reason Jesus poured most of his time into, Peter, James, and John. And these three disciples went up on a mountain with Jesus. And what the gospels tell us 
is that Jesus was transfigured before them. It's the same word that's used here in Romans chapter 12, metamorpho. Jesus was metamorphosized. He was transformed. And what these disciples witnessed with their eyes was that Jesus no longer appeared to be a human being, and all of a sudden, his godness became evident to them. He was metamorphosized into this divine being, and they became aware that Jesus was not just a run-of-the-mill dude from Galilee or Nazareth, Bethlehem, these places that he had lived. He wasn't just a guy, but he was God. And they saw him with his eyes, with their eyes transformed into this God. And there were a couple of other spirits who, who appeared with him. And, and you can Google it. There's wonderful pictures on, on, on the internet about what this may have looked like. It's, it's a great story. But this is the same word that Paul uses here in Romans chapter 12 that says, when I use my body for worship, when I renew my mind, I am transfigured. What happens? I, I no longer look like Russ Michaels, who's a big screw up. I start to look more and more and more and more like Jesus, right? Because I morph into something different than what I've always been. And isn't this really what we want? Isn't this really what all of us are after? Isn't this why you come to church on Sunday morning? Because you're tired of the old life and you need something to help you become everything God created you to be? The key is partnering with God in the transformation process. And then we come to the really exciting part. Remember I told you I was going to give you a gift today? Here's the exciting part. Let's read, let's read the rest of verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, and then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and perfect. Do you see this? You can know God's will, but it means you have to morph from the old person into the new person. And it, it takes hard work. And it doesn't happen with a jolt of lightning. It, it, it means you partner with God to transform into a new person. But it's really cool. And, and, and let me tell you why this works. How can I know God's will for me just by, by worshiping God with my body and by changing the way I think? Well, it's, it's like this. It works because our bodies aren't all jacked up with sin. How many of you know that when we sin with our bodies, all of a sudden this body doesn't want to obey God anymore, right? I, I've kind of even learned this principle with my eating habits. If I eat a whole bunch of sugar, do you know what my, my body craves? More sugar, right? When I, when I eat good things and healthy things, my body starts to crave vegetables and fruits and things that are good for my body. And it's the same way with sin. If I indulge my body in sin, I begin to crave sin more and more and more. When I use my body for worship, I begin to crave the will of God more and more and more. And it works because our minds aren't clouded by those old playlists. When I renew my mind, when I start thinking God's thoughts after him, instead of dwelling on all of those lies that the enemy wants me to know, then, then I start discerning and perceiving what God's will quickly in every given situation. Do you hear what I'm saying? A couple of months ago, I told you a story about uh, 
something that happened, I, I really hurt my wife's feelings deeply. And I, I didn't tell you all the, all the details that day because Chris's, Chris's heart was still smarting a little bit. But I, I want you to know a little bit more of this story because it illustrates this really, really well. But on that particular day, I think it was a Friday, if I remember correctly, I was working on a project and I thought Chris had the answer to a question that I had. And I called her up. She was at work and I called her up. And a lot of times she can't answer the phone when she's at work. But in that moment, she picked up the phone and I asked her my question and I was really agitated. And it wasn't because she had done anything wrong or that we were in an argument or anything. I was just in one of those funks. How many of you have funks? Yeah. Okay. So you get me, right? And I was in a funk. I asked her the question. She said, sweetheart, I don't know. And, and for some reason, unbeknownst to me, uh, I said, well, you're not helping me one bit. And I hit end on my phone and I hung up on her without saying goodbye. Yeah, I deserve your condemnation. Keep it coming. <laughs> and I hung up and I looked at my phone and I said to myself, I can't believe I just did that. I mean, it, it happened so fast that it took me by surprise. And I knew, I knew that Chris was mad. And when she came home from work that afternoon, she told me that uh, she, she had cried at work. I mean, it was bad. I mean, she's not in a place where she can just cry at work, right? But I'd really hurt her badly. But listen, the moment I hung up the phone and I'm looking at my blank screen and my eyes are big and I said, I can't believe I just did that. Listen, I didn't have to take a couple of days to try to figure out God's will. I knew immediately what God's will was. I, I knew what God's will was. God's will is that I call her back and I apologize and ask for her to forgive me for sinning because it was sin. I also bought her some new shoes. <laughs> but you see, even though, even though I slipped and I fell into something, I, I mean, it was sin. I mean, I'm going to call it what it was. I sinned in that moment. Even though I tripped up and sinned, I knew God's will for me in that moment because I have been partnering with God for many, many years to use my body for worship instead of sin and to renew my mind instead of playing the old playlists. What would the old playlists have said? Well, Chris is a jerk. She would have given me the answer if, if, she, if she was a good wife. That's what the old playlist would have said. The old playlist would have said, well, now you blew it. She's... she's She's going to be mad at you for a week, so I might as well just isolate myself instead of apologizing. That's what the old place, playlist would have said. Yeah, any number of things. Run away instead of reconcile is what the old playlist would have said. But I've worked hard to renew my mind, and so I, I waited long enough to breathe a little, and then I called my wife back, and I said, sweetheart, I'm sorry, and I was wrong, and will you please forgive me? Because I knew what God's will is. Do you want to know what God's will is for your life? Every single day, partner with God in the work of transformation. Use your body for worship. Renew your mind. And you are going to know and perceive what God's will is. Let me read a couple of verses for you and then we're going to worship God in the act of communion this morning. The same guy that wrote the book of Romans also wrote the book of Philippians. And here's what he says in Philippians chapter two. He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, 
giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. This is such a great verse because it talks about this partnership. God is working in you, yes, but it's not a lightning bolt. He's changing your desires and he's giving you power to work it out. Different version says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, you have to do some work here. God isn't just going to strike you with lightning and your life is going to be different. Partner with him. And then just before we're served communion this morning, I, I want to read these verses from the book of Matthew. Something Jesus said. And it's so beautiful. Jesus says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And if all of this sounds overwhelming, I want you to know today, Jesus just asks you to come. Make a step towards him. Just begin the process, and he's going to help you change. He's going to partner with you to bring transformation. We'll finish up your notes in, in just a few minutes, but for the, for the moment, would you put your things aside? And in just a moment, we're going to worship God uh, in a very physical way. Talked about using our bodies for worship. Communion is one of those ways that we do it. We're going we're gonna to eat piece of broken bread and we're going to drink a cup that represents the body and the blood of Jesus. And it's an act of worship. It's a physical way to connect with God. I love it. Can we all stand together this morning? And I just, I just feel like I, I want to pray for people here this morning that feel like they're broken. Whatever that means for you, it's probably different for all of us, but can I just pray for you? Jesus, I just sense that this morning there's people that are coming to you today in some way and are saying, Jesus, I'm, I'm broken and I need you to heal me. Thank you, Jesus, that that song that we just sang is 100% true, that we can come to you just as broken as we are. You don't reject us. You don't turn us away. You just say, my child, I love you. Here, let me heal that broken place. Let me gather up those pieces and put them back together. And Jesus, I pray for any person in this room that is sensing brokenness. And I pray that right now you will help them to sense your touch, your love, your forgiveness your grace. And now just before we eat and drink, would you take a moment right where you are to form your own prayer to Jesus, whatever it might be. You can whisper it out loud if you want. You can pray silently. But would you just take a moment and tell Jesus what's on your heart right now. Just say that to him.
The Gospels tell us that when Jesus celebrated the last Passover meal with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he told his disciples, take this and eat it often. And when you do, remember me. And today as we eat this broken bread, we're remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. We're remembering his resurrection. We're remembering that he's coming again. And Jesus, we ask you to take this bread and bless it. And furthermore, Jesus, I want to invite you to transform this bread into your real presence. That when we eat, it's not just flour and water and oil, but Jesus, we will sense your presence with us. Come to us, Jesus, as we eat and drink. And we worship you and we remember you as we eat this bread. Let's eat together. And Jesus, this cup represents your blood that washes away every sin. And even before we drink, Jesus, I want to ask you to wash us clean. Those of us, Lord, that even this week or even maybe today we have sinned in some palpable way, Jesus, wash us clean. And as we drink, Jesus, would you just minister your presence to us that we can sense, Lord, this, this new life coming to us. And we thank you and we worship you. Let's drink together. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God that intervenes in the natural processes of this world. That's, that's why we're people of faith, is we believe you're real. We believe that you act. We believe in miracles. We believe that you do things that no human being can accomplish. And we want to pray for our friends, Lord, and our church family members that have come forward with whatever their needs are. And we ask you, God, to do a miracle. We pray in the strong name of Jesus that you will change things, that you will change financial situations, that you will bring healing to people's bodies, Lord, that you will bring transformation from the old life to the new life. And Jesus, we pray that, that when they walk away today, Lord, they will sense that they have been changed because you have touched them and you have changed them. And we thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Everybody say amen. 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 Go ahead and have a seat. Let me give you a little bit of homework this morning and then we'll, we'll close with one more song. I split the homework this week up into two parts, body and mind, because I want to give you some specific things you can do to partner with God in this transformation process. So let's start with our bodies. Uh, first thing I want to ask you to do this week is to, to delete one sinful activity from your lifestyle this week. And I don't know about you, but most weeks I can think of something that needs to be deleted, all right? So you might even on your note cards, you might even want to write down what that is. But make a decision today that there is something I'm going to delete out of my lifestyle. I'm going to stop indulging this body of sin. All right? And then secondly, I want to encourage you to start using your body for worship. And this is how I'm going to ask you to do it this week. Take some time at home in private to listen to some worship music 
and start using your body in physical worship. Now, for many of us, this is really foreign. It's uncomfortable. And when you come to church on Sunday morning, you see all of us dancing around being all silly in God's, you, you know, in, in the worship of God. And, and you're like, I'm never going to do that. Okay? Well, listen, God is calling you to use your body in worship. So at home, in private, would you just do something that's uncomfortable for you? It might just be doing this. Okay? Listen to a worship song and lift one hand. You could just go halfway. Not two hands, that's way too radical, just one. (laughs) Just do something with your body. Kneel, dance. If if you're already, you know, full-on hands in the air, do a little dance at home, but engage your body in worship in some way that's uncomfortable for you. What I'm encouraging you to do is practice in private so when we get together, all together, everybody's ready to just go full-on, okay? How many of you will do that this week? You will use your body in worship and practice at home. Okay, thank you. That's awesome. Then let's talk about our minds. Here's your homework for your mind. When you came in the door, we gave you a bookmark. I want to ask you to use that bookmark this week as a reminder to let God renew your mind by changing the way you think. Let God transform you. That's what the bookmark says. Let God transform you. So I don't want you to take that bookmark and like put it in the back of your Bible where you're never going to see it again, okay? It is a bookmark, so if you read, go ahead and put it in a book. But if you don't read, put it on your fridge. Put it on your mirror. Put it somewhere in your car where you're going to see it. And it's going to be a visual cue to let God transform you. Okay, how many of you will put that bookmark somewhere where you can see it? Thank you. And then lastly, uh, if you're working at renewing your mind, here's something to think about. Memorize Romans 12, 1 and 2, both verses. Pick a version. I don't care what version you use, but pick a version and commit it to memory this week. It's going to be a tool that you can use to change the playlist in your mind from the old life to the new life. And you will be partnering with God in the transformation process, okay? How many of you want to memorize Romans 12, 1 and 2? Excellent. Good, good, good job. Okay? All right. Last thing. I want you to read this on the screen with me, would you? I've been transformed by love. Now I transform the world with love. I'm a transformer, okay? That's where we're going with this whole series. I've been transformed by love. Now I'm going to transform the world with love.